0: Is Lloyd. Lloyd. To Lloyd! 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 Lloyd. Kane, most people don't know this, but we actually have a long-standing handshake agreement that we don't wear <laughs> matching shirts when recording this podcast. Ah, <laughs> uh, the old, the old long-standing handshake <laughs> agreement. I
1: tell you, there's no one in the world that has more long-standing handshake agreements than Eddie McGuire, I can tell you. I can't believe it. Anytime any controversy comes up with the pies, and obviously this is related to uh, the Geelong and Collingwood jumper clash or uniform clash or agreement that
0: apparently no one else remembers except for uh, good old Eddie it's it, well it's it's been i'm going to say sorted but if this was on video you'd see the the, the fingers doing the air quote yeah. it's been sorted because Geelong's going to wear their white shorts and Eddie oh, clash clash averted versus you know instead of black and white verticals versus pretty much black and and white horizontals just but we're changing the color short so that's all that matters I, I don't it's it's not sorted and I I hate this jumper clash stuff I tweeted this out today a, a a graphic of the Premier League's jerseys for their season yeah 60 different jerseys they've got across 20 teams every team's got three Manchester United has got one that looks like a zebra Liverpool's yeah. got one that's like fluorescent blue. Newcastle's wearing one that's actually just like someone's painted it on with a highlighter. These clubs have been around in the English Premier premium. Like you can do, oh, we don't want it Americanized. It's bullshit. These clubs have been around in England for 130, 140 years, the same length, if not longer than most Australian football clubs. And they understand that, A, we want the product to look better on TV and for, to not have... Um, there be these clashes and you can say, well, we got away with white shorts versus black shorts for a hundred years. Yeah, the game is also played at probably 300% the speed that it was back in 1970 where they just got it and they didn't actually look where they were kicking it. They just booted the shit out of it as far as they could and then someone would maybe mark it or would get punched to the ground. It's it's not an argument. That this is how we've done it for this amount of time. Why doesn't Geelong? They are the home team. Blue and white, horizontal stripes. That is what you wear. You wear blue shorts. Collingwood, what you do Bring out something different. Wear fluoro pink with a yellow stripe. Who gives a shit? Just do something different. Wear light blue. Wear anything. Just wear something that's different. Not black with white stripes or white with black stripes. I don't give a shit about tradition. Make the game better. Grow. And actually, you know what you'll do? You'll sell more jerseys. And it is one of the most infuriating things that these people who think, and it's nearly always Eddie. Some teams do it really well. Carlton does it really well. Um, but then they still have missteps because Carlton plays the Bulldogs, and then both teams wear blue. I know one's one navy and one's royal, but what are we doing here? It is the easiest fix of all time. You can have so much creativity thrown in it, but the teams just refuse to do it because oh, we've got tradition. Bullshit! Figure it out and fix it. This is not—I don't care what you're saying about these shorts. This problem's not fixed. Yeah, I was at the qualifying final
1: last year. The Geelong Collingwood won, and we were sitting uh, on the on the bottom level. And we were actually pretty close to the interchange benches. So at a sort of a, a lower level, our sight line was, was pretty low, just above what the players would have been. And it, it's it's impossible to tell across the ground. Uh, you, I don't. I know it's tough on, on TV, but at the ground as well, it's just impossible when there's a few players around to know where the ball is or who's got the footy. You just can't. And I think the, the best example of this, when you look at teams and, and why it just legitimately doesn't matter, Richmond won a flag with a full yellow uh, jumper on. And Richmond fans wouldn't care. Why would you care? Why would you care? The team just won a flag. And uh, I think the the tradition, the push for tradition only comes from one club. It comes from Collingwood. And I, I actually don't blame uh, clubs like Geelong or other clubs pushing back on Collingwood and saying, no, stuff you. Uh, because most of the other clubs have been able to do it. And they've just said, OK, fine. I mean, some of the jumpers Geelong have worn have been absolutely ridiculous, but they've done it and and every team virtually has done it now except for Collingwood and Eddie i don't know who he's trying to who is he trying to impress or who is he trying to stick up for a bunch of 80 year olds that that are sticking around and care about tradition because
0: no one else does literally no one else does who cares well not as to long this long degree I mean, to Like you've tradition's yeah. important to a degree but not to this degree we're not the saying tradition of the club collingwood don't ever wear black and white port you can't wear black and white like no, what what are we doing here like did you invent know. black and white like what, sure. what's what's going on here? And the thing is, like Kane, we've been watching footy our entire lives. We see a little bald guy running around. We know that it's Gary Ablett out there, right? We we know who that is. We we see you know, Scott Pendleby. We know by the way he moves. Oh, that's Pendleby. That's Collingwood. We can see he, the way he moves. We, this game was played earlier in the year over in Western Australia, and I was sitting down watching. I think it was the Thursday night game, and my partner was watching it. She's like, oh, I can't tell. What's, why the teams were in the same clothes? She doesn't she doesn't watch footy. She doesn't know anything about footy. She's why they're wearing the same clothes, and that's all well and good for you and me, established footy people. We can tell them apart. Just wear black and wear white shorts. That's the difference. Are you trying to grow the game? Are you trying to get more people involved? And they look at and go, well, "I can't see what the hell's going on. This game's moving at a million miles an hour. We don't know the rules, and now we can't even tell the teams apart. It makes it makes literally zero sense that there shouldn't be a, a an option for teams to to wear something different. Geelong, you know, if they were the away team, they could go out there, they could wear a sky blue jersey with a giant cat on the front. Who cares? Look, Carlton's done it right. They've worn, worn yellow jerseys. They wear white ones. They've worn light blue ones. They know how to mix it up most of the time. The interstate teams do it fantastically. Brisbane, Fremantle, Adelaide, they do it so, so well, but there is still a lot of work to be done. Just, and it actually could be a massive, like, merchandise win. Oh Yeah, they'll make well. money. It, because... No, these Premier League teams change it every year. They have one jersey and they even change the design of that somewhat every year. There'll be like you know, bat- patterns put through the, the red of Manchester United, whether it's you know, zigzags or horizontal lines, they're sort of in the same colour, but there, but they change it all the time. And then everything else, they just go, let's just go wild. And they bring a story behind it as well. This is what this is. Yeah, you know, much like the NBA does with their, their city jerseys. It's something exactly. that's different and, and bring it in for one year and there's something behind it and it means something. Whereas this is just absolute bullshit, and it's probably even number two on my list of things that the AFL's pissing me off about at the moment. No kidding. I tell
1: you what, we have not seen you this fired up about almost anything, except for maybe potentially talking about the draft stuff. That got you fired up a little bit. There's no doubt about that. And actually, earlier in the season, you got pretty disappointed with the Bulldogs against Carlton early in the season. They're probably the top three uh, for you this year, but no doubt. I mean, Eddie's had a stinker. Just add this to the list of uh, uh, stinkers he's had this year. It's been a rough year for him. Uh, There's no doubt about that, but... There was The Saints were trying to get Ben Long to play this week, and I, I don't blame them for going and appealing this decision, but I think ultimately it felt like it was going to fall short, the attempt to get him out on the field, and it has.
0: Yeah, he. Uh, we, we said that it would, it would be a struggle because his history of doing it, the fact that he did it, I think, three times during that game, he attempted that similar sort of move. He had no intent to tackle. He got him high. Not saying he deliberately hit him in the head, but he literally went to try and bump, and you missed it. Then you're going to get suspended. I don't think there's any any way around that. St Kilda should do everything in their power. I think it cost them fifteen grand for the appeals. Fine, they have to do it. They're in a final, but the, the chance of it working were pretty slim.
1: Yeah, and again, I mean, if you're a St Kilda fan, absolutely understand why you would feel a little bit ripped off. When we've seen some of the incidents through the year, this is another frustration we've had. Unfortunately, uh, they they tend to change these rules throughout the year. For most of the season, it's been based on whether the guy gets hurt. Now the finals have come around and all of a sudden they've decided to uh, base a su- suspension on the act. And I, I do think that potentially uh, part of this was the fact that this isn't the first time for long. And while uh, they don't carry over points as they've done in the past, it has become a bit of a theme with him. He he, he, he probably needs to work on his technique when it comes to tackling and bumping. And, and unfortunately, uh, he's been a, a key player for those, for the Saints. And with them already missing Carlisle and and Paddy Ryder, they
0: they really could ill afford this, and it, it does. It sucks for St Kilda. We'll talk a little bit more about Richmond St Kilda later in the show as we, as we preview uh preview that one. But I think now would be as good a time as any to um to talk about some in- interesting stuff that's happening with a club that has a relation to Ben Long, a club mm-hmm. where his uh his uncle played, Michael. Um. And we had talked about Adam Saab yesterday, or Adam Saab, as you so cleverly coined his name. <laughs> Joe Danaher's out. He's not going to Sydney. He wants to go to Brisbane. This was, and I guess tomorrow we're going to be talking about that Orazio has officially requested a trade back to Adelaide because that's the the next one that's coming. But Danaher's now like, I'm out. I'm done. I want to go somewhere else. I want to leave Melbourne. Uh, and he wants to go to to Brisbane now. Uh, I don't have any issue with Danaher wanting to leave. There's obviously things not right there at Essendon. We can see that. And they're yeah, making their noise. Well, if you don't want to be here and with the culture changing, then get out, that sort of idea. Um, he is frustrated with the medical staff pretty clearly. And Brisbane's stellar medical record over the last couple of years has played a big part in him wanting to go there. Um, yeah, no, no one's surprised about this, are they, Kane? No,
1: no way. I mean, if you wanted to get out of Victoria and you wanted to go north and you wanted to go to a club, there's no doubt for me that Brisbane is the one that you would want to go to. And, you know, the Lions, when you talk about the forwards that they have, obviously Eric Kipwood's had a fantastic season. Daniel McStay a little bit up and down, and he's been in the league for a while now. So uh, there also is a little bit of a need there for Brisbane. So it seems like a perfect match. And again, as you spoke to, I mean, Brisbane have had some players that have come there that have been really injury riddled, and they've been able to stay healthy. Lincoln McCarthy obviously stands out as one guy that's just been incredibly healthy since he's got there he's hardly missed a game I think the only game he missed was through suspension after only playing 29 games in around seven years at the Cats so uh, that would give him some confidence and uh, you know if you're Essendon at this point to be honest the whole Danaher saga if I was an Essendon fan while he's a fantastic player I'd be a little bit over it to be honest I would just I would just be like listen I'm sick of dealing with this we went through this last trade period we don't want to be here Uh, it's time for Essendon to go through a full rebuild I mean, clearly, you lose a player like Saad, as well as you spoke about Connor McKenna.
0: As I've mentioned a few times, it's time for Essendon
1: to go full-blown
0: rebuild. Yeah, I think they need to. Now, I don't have a problem, really, with Essendon holding on to him last year. We saw Sydney do it no. with, with Tom Papley, and then he re-signed. So, he's staying there. So, you can win people over, but he had that opportunity. They had the opportunity to do it. He's seemingly even more pissed than he was before, and he's out, and he's out of contract. Um, and he's a restricted free agent, I believe. So Essendon could match the deal, and we know that you know they keep threatening that they're going to do that now. Even a report coming out today that Saad said, well, he'll just go into the preseason draft. He just doesn't want to <laughs> be at Essendon under any circumstance. Which the preseason draft is something that absolutely needs to disappear. The only reason for it to be there is to threaten teams into these trading out of contract players. But this is what could happen, right? And this is what really frustrates. We talked about this. You talked about compensation for Saad yesterday. And I'm vehemently against these compensation things. I've got got another point on something as well. I've got lots of things happening in my head today. Um, The Essendon has pick six in the upcoming draft. They could get pick seven from Carlton for Saad, if that's the way Carlton decides to go. And they could, if Danaher signs a large enough contract with Brisbane, end up with pick eight as compensation. So through being a club that has struggled, has mishandled a coaching transition, has mishandled the health of players, who has a culture or situation where players want to leave, they could get rewarded with picks six, seven, and eight in this upcoming draft. Through total ineptitude from what they've done this season, through these players being out of contract and not actually having, um, you know, anything to owe to the Essendon footy club. Essendon could get rewarded with picks seven, 6, 7, and 8 and you were talking about, and I argued this with someone on Twitter yesterday oh yeah but Gold Coast would really struggle. Essendon's not Gold Coast. This is one of the most powerful clubs in the AFL and they're getting handouts of picks 6, 7, and 8 because they couldn't do the right thing by players they had in their system and they all wanted to leave. It is just a system that is disgustingly badly uh, thought out and poorly executed and if that's maybe it doesn't happen, maybe Danaher gets a second round type of tender on his contract, whatever it is but it's still ridiculous that that is a legitimate legitimate possibility they could end up with six seven and eight
1: yeah I mean really it's difficult to fix now though and we sort of spoke about this yesterday I thought about this a more a bit more yesterday afternoon I mean it's been the snowball effect of uh, first of all the expansion and having all those draft picks and all those compromised drafts uh, through all those years for both the Gold Coast and the GWS where teams actually really struggled to get access to the front end of the draft unless they, they traded players for picks. And that's what the league set it up. They set it up that way because they wanted to bring in the Gold Coast and GWS uh, into the league and they wanted them to be as competitive as they could be ASAP because there was money involved and there's always money involved. And then they brought in a haphazard free agency system that really doesn't make sense. Uh, I, I don't think that there's a free agency system that's even close to this anywhere in world sport. And I saw you tweeting about it a little bit yesterday And then they've brought that in and realized that even if teams bottom out, they're not going to get the draft picks that they need. So how can we cover up this? How can we cover up the fact that teams aren't going to lose all these players and if they bottom out, the picks aren't really going to be there anyway because GWS has six of the first ten picks for three drafts in a row. What are we going to do here? Okay, let's give them compensation picks. This is how it's going to work out. The restricted free agency makes no sense. The unrestricted free agency makes even uh, less sense. And it's unfortunate, and that's probably why I understand that why the conversation is there. And I do think if you do look at a situation, and, and again, everything, every situation is different, and you can look through it all in, in isolation. But remember last year, uh, Essendon and Sydney were negotiating with Joe Danaher. And again, as you point to, I, I don't want to bail out Essendon for the situation they're in and the fact that clearly they've made big mistakes in-house, and this is part of being a competitive professional sports team you have to get it right not only on the field, but perhaps even more importantly, the front office has to have has to run a good organization that people are going to want to play for. So I think that they're, yeah, I mean, if you want to call it a bailout, from that point of view, it doesn't quite make sense. But this was kind of what I was talking about. Like You can talk about the medical stuff with Joe Danaher wanting to go to Brisbane, but I can probably tell you why he really wants to go to Brisbane, because they're, they're good. Because <laughs> they're yeah, really good. Of it, yeah. And they're going to be good for the next few years. So that's why... I, when I was talking yesterday about the conversation making some sense, because ultimately the teams that are good will stay strong. And, you know, Jeremy Cameron potentially coming to Geelong is, is just another example of that. Players want to come to Geelong because they've been winning for the last 15 years. Uh, at times they've wanted to go to Richmond. Now Joe Danaher wants to go to Brisbane. It's not necessarily that there's only one or two clubs that players will go to but there will be four or five clubs that t- players will never go to. And that's perhaps what my concern more more is about. But I-, I don't think you can take one thing away from the system without overhauling
0: the whole entire thing. And that's where the problem is. The whole entire system is messed up. Yeah, everything needs to be changed. That- that's right. But you talk about Danaher, he wants to go to Brisbane because they're good. He wanted to go to Sydney last year and they weren't good and they weren't looking to be good this year. They, I think they finished 12th last year and 13th this year. Mm-hmm. So they were about the same. Jackson Hately has requested to to leave GWS. He wants to go to Adelaide. Who are literally not, the worst yeah. team in, in the league? So there are yep. situations. Okay, not many people say they want to go to Gold Coast, but Brandon Alice did. He went there last year. Like Lockie Waller moved up to Gold Coast, and I think with Anderson and lacocious and Rao and M- Miller and these guys stepping up, that and this is another one thing I'll get to in a second. That players might want to go to Gold Coast, and I don't know how accurate this is, but with a vast portion of the league spending months up in Queensland this year. <laughs> understanding that holy shit winter it's, nice. it's 20 degrees here yeah. we have we have unbelievable weather we have this situation where look we're not in melbourne dealing with 4 degree days or it's pissing rain it is beautiful up here is that not something where they can go well hey gold coast has actually got these young players brisbane looks pretty good if 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 that's something that's good for me and my family the money's right i've got a chance to actually build with these good these good young players This couldn't be, I don't think, a better advertisement for the free agency and trade recruiting power of both of those teams, Gold Coast and Brisbane. And you talk about Brisbane. Oh, yeah, he wants to go to Brisbane. And we just laugh it off saying he wants to go to Brisbane because they're good. This is still Brisbane. Who is Brisbane? Like, this is a team that was terrible for so many years. They had that really strong run, obviously, when they won the Premiership. But it's still Brisbane, a team that sucked for for many years before and after that and located in Queensland, a non-footballing area, and it took time for him to get to that. Maybe it takes Gold Coast a bit of time to get to that area, but this is a great advertisement for, hey, shit, you can live in here in the winter, and it's actually really bloody nice. Well, yeah, I mean, they
1: should have an advantage. I know I was speaking to uh, just through doing stories and interviews and that sort of thing, speaking to club PR people that were in the hubs up in Queensland, and they would sort of say, ah, you know, and I'm not saying this was everyone, but occasionally they'd be like, oh, it's kind of tough in the hub. It's a little bit boring, and it's like, come on, man. It's like eight degrees here in Melbourne right now. You're out there in the sun wearing shorts and a T-shirt. Yeah, I mean, that, that should be a pretty good recruiting uh, crew that they have to get players up there. There's no doubt about that, and I, I think you're right. I think the, the guys have been spending their whole winter up at the beach uh, this year probably did make a couple of players think about it. That's for damn sure.
0: I don't think it's going to be just changing everything and everyone's yeah. going to be flocking up there, but it's definitely something that's going to be in place. And it, but even the, the, when you went to Perth, like, man, this yeah. is really good weather over here. And living in a hub versus living in your own house is a very different situation. So I do think that those things will, they will change over time and that will become a little bit, and especially if you just don't want to deal with you know, 50 news stories about whether you, what you did yeah, you know, over the weekend and whether someone saw you at a pub down in Melbourne versus where you can go up there and, and like Danaher said, like you can go and be sort of anonymous a lot of this time and not have that sort of pressure constantly. There are players who will love the, the, the footy 24-7 environment down here, but there are players and heaps them who will hate it and, and don't like it and would rather go up to Queensland and not have to hear about their work yeah, 24-7 in the radio, on the TV, in the papers, with everyone coming up to, hey, are you are going to play this week? Like, people would hate that. And I can understand that how that would be an appeal, whether that is GWS or Gold Coast or Sydney or Brisbane and those different environments. So there's parts and, and things that will appeal to different sort of people. Not every person is the same player. They're not the same. They don't have the same mentality or the same wants or the same needs. And that sort of stuff, uh, I think we'll see, start to see that get developed over the coming uh, coming years. Hopefully, we'll see how we'll see how that goes. But hopefully, we can get a little bit more you know, equity into it. I think some of it did start with Gold Coast last year, with Alice moving up there. Like that's that's a, a, a player coming from a premiership team who's a good player moving up to Gold Coast. Uh, that's that's step one in that. I think.
1: To be fair, once you
0: win a flag, why wouldn't you want to move to the Gold Coast? You've done it. You've, yeah, achieved, exactly. it. You've achieved it. But that's achieved The ultimate. That, that's the thing you do. These players who are second tier at Richmond pay him a little bit more get him into this environment he makes the move he develops along with these other players the next bunch of guys follow on i think it will start to really uh, and, and as as this idea of player movement and team building becomes more ingrained in afl culture we'll see we'll see more of it rather than uh, we'll want to go to Hawthorne.
1: Jeez, I tell you what, uh, if you ever want to get Josh going on anything, just just bring up the uh, the the free agency and and draft compensation, and he'll go for nearly a, a whole show. We've almost run out
0: of time. Are we going to talk about Richmond St Kilda now? Yeah, let's uh, let's do it. Let's talk about the game that is coming up on uh, on Friday night. Um, Tom Lynch, as we said, is going to be back, but it does look like they're going to keep Mabior Chol in the team, and Jake Arts has been uh, allegedly officially told that he will be losing his spot in the team for Lynch to return. So they are going with that uh, that bigger lineup with St. Kilda. No Long, obviously, no Ryder, no Carlisle. They're bringing in uh, Marsh, and it looks like Robertson could be coming in there as well. And, and Battle is probably the other inclusion for St. Kilda. That's not official at this stage, but... That is the way that things seem to be looking at this point.
1: Yeah, to me, this is Richmond looking to stretch the Saints because obviously with, with Ryder out and Jake Carlisle as well, they're staying tall if they keep maybe your Chol in there. And, and Jake Arts, I mean, he, he has to consider himself pretty unlucky here. He's kicked 14 goals and he actually has played every single game since round five, which is the week after uh, the Tigers lost to the Saints during the home and away season. Arts has been, uh, he's kind of an annoying player. Um, just a little hungry goal sneak, but he always gets on the end of it. And he's been tough and he sort of doesn't mind the competitive stuff as well. He's been a really, really good player for, for them. And again, when we look at how talented the Richmond Smalls are, uh, he's just sort of moved straight into that mix and been an instant contributor. So I actually would have had him penciled in as a guy. Sure, he'll be on the fringe, there's no doubt, but I thought they would have gone with him over uh, maybe troll and keeping that that tall uh, player in the lineup, the third tall, I guess, because with Lynch, Reroll, Chol, and also Dan Curvis. So a pretty tall lineup for the Tigers when you include Bolter, uh, Grimes, and Asprey as well. So they're definitely going in tall. For me, this
0: is them trying to stretch the Saints. Yeah, because yeah, obviously St. Kilda losing Carlisle and Ryder and not having players uh, of that caliber to replace them. Is going to He's going to put that stretch. And then, of course, Richmond's got that bunch of real real little guys and small quick players and high-pressure players as well. It probably is the right mix. It puts that additional pressure uh, onto St. Kilda. Um, I'm not... Sh- look, I know St-, 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 St. Kilda beat Richmond earlier in the season. Um, it just feels like it's just co- completely not representative of what we're going to expect in this game, though. Yeah, it, it, and listen, we said this last week. I think most people said
1: this, that it was going to be really difficult for Collingwood to beat West Coast. So we know... In finals, uh, nothing is for certain. And I actually heard a comparison on a podcast I was listening to. Uh, I can't remember what podcast it was now, but I was listening to someone talk about this game, and they said it kind of reminds them a little bit, and hey, this, this might bring a smile to your face, Josh. It reminds them a little bit of the bulldogs semi final from a couple of years ago, where no one thought that the Bulldogs were going to beat the Hawks. They came in, ended up bundling them out in straight sets, and we know what happened after that. But if you go back to the round four game, the Saints, 15 goals, three, to 10 goals, 7 for the Tigers. And again, we've harped on this all season long, but it was the Saints' ability to get easy shots on goal. So they only had four more shots on goal for the day. Their accuracy clearly was the difference in this game. And again, it's because they got shots close to goal. So this is statsinsider.com.au as always. But the Tigers had uh, just two shots from within 25 meters on the day. The Saints had eight. They had eight shots from within 25 meters, of course, uh, they kicked seven of those eight. So seven easy goals for the Saints. Three to Butler, uh, two to Loney, and two to uh, Dean Kent in that game. So, and they were all in the goal square. And I still remember this play. I don't know why I remember this, but Brad Hill took Josh Caddy all the way from the oh, defensive yes. 50. Sprinted the length of the ground. Caddy was just absolutely gassed. Couldn't keep up with Brad Hill. And he walked into an open goal and kicked it. And that was the way this game went. The Saints were playing unbelievable footy at, at, at Marvel Stadium uh, at that time. And that's why they kicked such an accurate score, and that's how they won the game. So if you're the Saints, the key to this game is pushing everyone up. And listen, you just get as many numbers as you can in the Richmond Ford 50. Don't allow them the freedom, and then race them back and beat them. Get the ball over the back, get it to Butler, get it to Loney. Brad Hill, get on his bike as well, these guys, and and try and get some easy ones down the other end because uh, we know, we spoke about it, it's going to be a tough matchup for King in this game. He's going to have three guys, most likely flying, for that high contest. I know battle coming back helps in memory, but King's going to be the target. So the Saints need to turn this into a track meet going back into their 50.
0: Yeah, they do. And I remember that play as well. And a Caddy allegedly might be in the mix to return uh, for Friday night as well. I don't know who would be uh, on the outs there, but he, he could be someone that is, that is uh, an option to return. The other thing is in that game, uh, that was before the real Shea Bolton breakout as well. He only uh-huh. had ten touches in that game. He he was a little bit off. He was you know, a little bit quiet in the game against Collingwood uh, a couple of weeks before that. He really started to take off after this. That's just adding another another player into this mix. It's wild to see this game was actually played at Marvel Stadium. It just it doesn't yeah. doesn't feel like any games were played in Victoria <laughs> this year, but this was played at Marvel. Um, and they've got yeah a completely different player really in Bolton into this mix. The Saints uh, yeah they have guys that have improved significantly since then as well. I think Callum Wilkie stepped it up since then. Do Howard uh, has looked better and better as the season's gone on. Caulfield has looked great, um, and let, let's see what they get out of those you know, running wingers like Hannabury and Hill. Who you know, Hannabury was really good uh, against the Bulldogs last week. Hill, yeah, as you said, w- was one probably one of his better games in his one against Richmond. But they if they don't fire, then that that run does limit that ability to get those easier shots at goal, and that's really what it's going to come down to. It feels like because if they're just playing um, yeah more to Richmond style, that it, it won't really work out for St Kilda.
1: Yeah, Jack's still down. Uh, his disposal count was down last week against the Dogs, so i look for him to stand up. And just uh, just one last point. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about this game a little bit more tomorrow as well, but uh, one last point. Obviously, Dion Presti, a second game up. And you mentioned Hanbury. It's his third game, but he had to buy in between, so it's the first time he's had to play back-to-back games. So we'll see how he uh, pulls up with this one as well, especially because... It is on a six-day break, obviously, for the Saints here. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. I, I really hope that this is going to be a high-scoring game. It certainly was at had because, you know, for the most part, Richmond 10 goals, seven 67, that's been close to a winning score in a lot of games this season, but it was the Saints that were able to, to outrun them there. So I think if the Saints are going to win, they're going to have to kick probably 70-plus points. And generally, uh, based on what we've seen in 2020, that means it's probably going to be an entertaining game.
0: Yeah, let's hope it is an entertaining one. All the finals have been fantastic so far, and hopefully we've got another good, uh, good couple coming up here on the weekend. We'll be back tomorrow, where we'll be twelve hours, eight hours away from uh, from watching the first of these finals. Kane, we'll be excited to see how that uh, how that all goes down, and uh, I can't wait. No, I'm
1: looking forward to it. And I know we didn't, we had Jeremy Cameron to the Cats on the rundown. We didn't actually get to it, but I I texted my friend today and I said, listen, it's going to be really good for Cats fans when they lose on the weekend that they can at least look forward to the 2021 flag with Jeremy Cameron in the team. So listen, it's, it's win-win. It's win-win for me this weekend.
0: All right, I think we'll, I think we'll leave it there with that sort of nonsense, guys. Subscribe to <laughs> Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Give us a five-star review on the old Apple Podcasts as well. And today, I'm going to leave you with a shout-out to Hayden Skipworth.